Chapter 7 of A Vanished Hand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. A Vanished Hand by Sarah Dowdney. Chapter 7 Mrs. Penn. I have a boy of five years old. His face is fair and fresh to see, his limbs are cast in beauty's mould, and dearly he loves me. Wordsworth Three days went by, and then Elsie bent her steps to Wardour Street again. Andrew Beaton was in his old place behind the counter, but his face did not look any brighter than usual. "'No answer yet, Miss Kilner,' he said. "'My mother is worried about the matter.' She thinks that we have neglected a duty. I am glad you have come. She is too much alone. Elsie found the old lady sitting dejectedly in her little parlour, but she brightened at the sight of her visitor. We have heard nothing, she began, and yet the notice has been in all the papers. Mrs. Penn was always a newspaper reader. Nothing escaped her eyes. I am beginning to fear that she is dead. "'We mustn't imagine evils,' Elsie replied. "'But if she is dead, one doesn't know what may have happened to the boy. "'Mrs. Penn had friends and relatives, but would they be likely to look after him? "'That's what I have said to Andrew a dozen times at least.' "'She took off her spectacles with fingers that trembled a little, "'and put her work into an old-fashioned basket with a crimson lining. "'Elsie had gentle ways with old people.' knowing instinctively how to soothe them with touch and voice. She poured out tea and hovered round Mrs. Beaton with little attentions which were like caresses. Andrew, coming in with his quiet step, gave Miss Kilner a look and a word of gratitude. If you set out to do a good deed, you may do a hundred small kindnesses on the way. Elsie's quest seemed very likely to prove fruitless, but in the seeking she was scattering flowers as she went along. Andrew, who sometimes found his life sadly commonplace, picked up a blossom or two and wore them thankfully. The street, the shop, and the parlour were all touched and beautified by these little graces which a woman like Elsie bestows spontaneously. It was a pleasant tea-drinking in the London parlour, although the sun could send in only a slanting beam or two. They had, all three, talked themselves into a hopeful mood. In their brightened fancy, Jamie was already found, and they were beginning to arrange his future destiny. Elsie proceeded to state her views on the education of boys, but, as she had never had any boys to educate, those views were rather vague. Mrs. Beaton expressed a wish that he could be turned into a blue-coat boy. His curly golden head was so pretty that it was almost a sin to cover it with a cap, and he would soon grow used to being without one. Andrew hoped that he wouldn't be spoiled and made into a milksop, and suggested that he ought to be taught a useful trade as soon as possible. Elsie had other ideas. She wanted him to be sent to college— Mrs. Beaton said it would be a shame to set him to work too early. 
he was only a little more than five years old. Both women thought that Andrew was too severe in his notions about boys. Andrew thought that many a good lad was spoilt because he had lacked a man's control. Elsie thought that many a dear little fellow was half brutalised because he had lacked a woman's influence. Mrs. Beaton then felt that it was her turn to make a remark, but no one ever heard the words of wisdom which were about to issue from her lips. Quite suddenly, with unusual noise, the parlour door was flung open, and a woman rushed into the room. Andrew started to his feet. Elsie, who had just taken up the teapot, set it down again upon the table. Mrs. Beaton pushed back her cap ribbons with both hands and uttered a little shriek. "'It's Mrs. Penn!' she cried. "'Oh, Mrs. Penn, is this you, isn't it? And you've gone clean out of your mind, aren't you? Oh, dear, oh, dear!' "'Yes,' answered the intruder distractedly. "'It is me, and I'm gone clean out of my mind.' "'We don't want you without your mind,' said Andrew, grown suddenly discourteous. "'If you're mad, you ought not to have come.' "'Don't you see that you have given my mother a terrible shock?' "'Don't be unkind, Mr. Beaton,' exclaimed Elsie, in a tone of reproof. "'Of course Mrs. Penn has come to bring us some news. "'Oh, Mrs. Penn,' she added, losing dignity and self-control all at once, "'do speak one word and tell us what has become of Jamie.' For a moment it seemed as if Mrs. Penn had no power to comply with this simple request. She stood gaping at them all, then, suddenly flinging up her hands with a despairing gesture, she panted out, Lost! Mrs. Beaton sank back in her chair with eyes closed. Andrew bent over his mother, holding a smelling bottle to her nostrils and murmuring reassuring words. Elsie was very pale. The old lady recovered herself, sat up, and said, rather feebly, that there was nothing the matter. Andrew, somewhat relieved, darted an angry glance at Mrs. Penn. "'Pray sit down, Mrs. Penn,' he said, "'and let me beg you to be composed. Perhaps a cup of tea may steady your nerves.' Elsie poured out the tea at once, and handed it kindly to the poor, shaken woman, whose distress was very genuine. "'The Daily Telegraph told me to come here.' "'That's why I came,' she whimpered at last. "'But no one seems glad to see me,' she added tearfully. Andrew felt a pang of self-reproach. "'We are very glad,' he said promptly. "'If I was rude, I hope you will pardon me. "'But Mother can't stand a shock, "'and you came upon us rather suddenly, you see.' "'I'm so unhappy,' poor Mrs. Penn replied. "'I dare say I don't seem a bit like myself.' "'I lost him nine weeks ago.' Elsie gave a little exclamation of dismay. Had the guidance of the vanished hand led only to a disappointment like this? "'I wish you had told us sooner,' said Andrew, trying to suppress his indignation. "'The weeks have gone by like a whirlwind, and my head's been in a mist ever since I lost him,' Mrs. Penn declared, wiping her eyes. "'Are you sure your head wasn't in a mist before you lost him?' asked Mrs. Beaton, with unwanted sternness. 
Something in the tone of the questioner led Elsie to examine Mrs. Penn with closer attention. She was a woman of sixty, who had evidently been healthy and active in her earlier days, and ought to have been strong and capable still. But there was a redness of the eyes, and a certain pink puffiness of the whole countenance, which had a suspicious look. "'My health hasn't been good lately,' she said, in her whimpering voice. "'No one knows the burden that the boy has been to me, but I couldn't find it in my heart to part with him.' If you had written to us, as you promised to do, we would have relieved you of the burden, Mrs. Beaton replied. I've been going to write hundreds of times, only I'm such a bad letter writer, and then I've intended to come and see you, but I've put off coming, because things always seem to prevent me. We stayed at Brighton three months. I don't like Brighton. I was glad to get nearer to London. Where did you go when you left Brighton? Andrew inquired. We came up to Lee. My niece Maria is married to a market gardener there, a Mr. Dennett. He's a most respectable man, and he took quite a fancy to Jamie. But Maria has no children, and she doesn't care for boys. They seem to worry her. And between you and Maria, the poor little fellow was neglected, cried Mrs. Beaton, in a tremor of anger. Don't say so. "'Pray don't say so. It hurts my feelings dreadfully,' wailed Mrs. Penn. "'I'm sure I paid regularly for him and myself, and he always had enough to eat. "'But, as Maria often said, it's a troublesome thing to have a child on your hands.' "'How did you lose him?' Mrs. Beaton asked. "'She steadied her voice as well as she could, but there was an angry light in her kind old eyes.' "'I didn't lose him. He lost himself. He must have wandered away somewhere,' said this exasperating woman, beginning to cry again. "'We went to the police and did all we could to find him, but we never caught a glimpse of him any more. After wearing myself out for nine weeks, I saw your notice in the Daily Telegraph, and then I thought you must have found him. I came here all in a hurry, with my heart full of hope.' There was nothing more to be extracted from her. It was clear that she had told all she could tell. Elsie turned to Andrew with a look of distress more eloquent than words. As he met the sorrowful gaze of her beautiful dark eyes, a light seemed suddenly to flash from his, and he spoke out in a resolute tone. "'Don't be afraid that I shall let the grass grow under my feet, Miss Kilner. I shall go to Scotland Yard at once.' he said, rising and buttoning his coat. He merely lingered to ask Mrs. Penn a few rapid questions about the boy's dress and general appearance, and then the door closed behind him and he was gone. There was a moment of silence. Then Elsie, rising from her chair, went over to Mrs. Beaton and kissed her. "'I am going home now,' she whispered. "'We won't despair yet. I shall try to be hopeful.' but her attempts at hopefulness were of little avail, and she hurried out of Wardour Street, holding her head down, crying as she went. She walked swiftly, never once slackening her speed till she had gained her own door, and inside the house she seemed to lose all courage and strength and faith 
and fell sobbing into Miss Saxon's arms. "'Oh!' she said, "'it is all in vain. Jamie is lost, utterly lost, and only his angel knows where to find him.'" End of chapter 7